Hey, what up, y'all? It's Travel, obviously. You're listening to the Big Boy Nerd Podcast. I am about to drop the first episode, finally. And I just wanted to give you guys a quick brief overview about who I'm going to speak, be speaking with today, which you'll be listening to. The gentleman I'm talking to, his name is Ethan Felder. He's actually a, he is a labor lawyer as well as a community activist for the Queens area. He's actually a pretty awesome guy. Um, I got a chance to sit down with him and ask him what it's like to be a labor lawyer as well as being an activist in Queens in 2017 Trump era. I got a chance to talk to him about like really honest and frank discussions about being a white man and working within black and brown spaces and advocating for people that do not look anything like him. So we got some really interesting things that we spoke about, some interesting topics that we, 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 we touched upon. So it was a really successful podcast. Uh, I just hope that you guys truly enjoy it. Um, I took the time out, spoke to him, and it was really, really great. It was really a positive experience. So, um, oh, as a matter of fact, what am, I, what am I thinking? We actually took the time out and spoke about the new rally that's going to be coming up. There's a new rally that's coming up at the end of the week. It's going to be taking place on September 9th. It's going to be the Queen Stands Together rally. Now, this is a continuation of a rally that he's already had. Uh, he had a rally earlier in April, which gave him a lot of groundswell. He's a big name right now because of it. A lot of a lot of people are actually like bumbling and chattering about him because he had this really successful rally in which he empowered. He gave an opportunity and gave a and gave a, a particular platform for people of color to talk about their experiences and to advocate for immigrants that were actually under the threat of Donald Trump at the time. This is around a time that you know everything was happening with the with the with the airports and all of the lawyers like running out to airports and defending people that were actually being banned. It was around the, around the time of the travel ban. He actually got, he actually kicked up a fuss and got some people together and did some real great community work and held this really successful rally so this is a continuation of it part two september 9th this weekend saturday it's going to be coming it's going to be from 5 5 p.m to 8 p.m so it's four days from now (laughs) but um as i said before i actually i did this podcast about two weeks ago um so but it all is extremely it's extremely relevant like usual with everything with trump everything is going to be relevant at all times i mean things do run fast but this is still relevant thankfully so i want you to take a lot of time out if you can listen to it let me know what you think i hope you guys enjoy it uh once again thank you for listening take care guys um if you can just brief give, give a brief overall about like what you do yeah, you yeah. Are and i'm ethan felder i'm uh, a, lo- a labor lawyer i practice in uh, downtown manhattan and i I'm a lifelong resident of Forest Hills, and um, I uh, do community activism at night when I'm not at my day job. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like an alter ego. It, yeah, in its own case, it, in its it own is sense. like an alter ego. It's like a well, like a dual personality, but really, it, I see it as complementary in that I, as a labor lawyer, I fight for people, advocate for working people during the day, try and make life for them a little bit better in their livelihoods, and I, I see the community activism very much in that vein when I'm not on the job. So, it, it really, when I say on the job, it really doesn't feel like a job. It's just you know what I'm doing right. all the time. Right. Um, you know, just trying to. You know, trying to bring my skills to bear to make, 
and perhaps uh, you know the community a little bit better. That's incredible, man. <laughs> it is, and you got to honestly, you have to give yourself a lot of credit for that because that's not an easy task, especially being a lawyer. That's something that you could have easily chosen to make. In fact, just, it's very you know, hard as a lo- most. <laughs> I mean, as a lawyer, to actually feel like you're doing good by yeah. a client and by like society is a, is it, it, it not your usual situation. You know, and that's certainly what I found in my experience. I worked at a large corporate white shoe law firm for a short period of time as a real estate lawyer. And, uh, you know, I didn't find any meaning in it uh, whatsoever in terms of what I was giving back, uh, you know, to the community and bring, you know. So, yeah, you know. Well, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a privilege to be able to use your professional experience, my professional training background, uh, you know, for the greater good, you know, day in and day out. By and large, you know, there certainly there you know there are cases where you know you have to advocate for your client when you're you know you're not as sympathetic, you know, as you are with other clients, but. In the end, being a labor lawyer, feeling like you're a part of a larger movement uh, to better the lives of all working people, that that does get me up and going every morning. Well, tell me this. Um, that's really interesting. Um, tell me this. What made you want to be a labor lawyer out of all the different, you know, so lawyers? Yeah, it's a very good question. <laughs> and that's what, like, I think everyone in labor and labor lawyers ask each other. It's really what I was asked when I was trying to break into this. Is like, what connection do you have to labor? Why do you want to do this? And I, and I had to say in the moment, like, look, my family is not a labor. Labor. I have no connection to this shit. Like, you know, I, I, why, why do I want to do this? You know. I, you give your, your spiel as to like you know why it's you know you know the centrality of work uh, to life, um, but really what it, for me it was school. I, I mean not just school. Schools were outstarted. I never did anything labor related in undergrad, um, but I had two very influential professors in law school who wow. I took classes with. Um, my second year of law school uh, in, in employment law and labor law, which are two separate areas of law. Um, one being, you know, for unorganized, you know, workers who are not in the union. Uh, it's employment law and labor law is the law governing unions and employees who are union members. And mm-hmm. So I, and I, I found it very interesting. It seemed very tangible in the sense of, wow, this is like, you know, everyone's life, their livelihood, and the right. know, laws and rules are surrounding the work. Investment. Yeah. Return on investment. It's just like this matters to people. Indeed, like, you yeah. know, this you know, this is how you, most people spend their waking lives, mm. and uh, you know, this this seems interesting and intriguing. Uh, this world of work and work law. So I ended up being a research assistant. Didn't know that I wanted to do that at all um, in law school for a, for a practice. And then I, I took my first offer out of grad school in banking, actually, mortgage banking specifically, wow. and at a large multinational financial institution, Citibank. And <laughs> you know, yeah, and seeing like the you know, frankly, the excesses and you know, people. Uh, as employees not being treated as people right. but as you know a lot, a lot of times just numbers on a spreadsheet mm-hmm. and, and being the person behind a lot of those you know co- frankly cold you know uh, 
cold-hearted decisions to let people yeah. go and yeah. the way people were being let go and, and the culture surrounding that there, there certainly I would say was a visceral reaction on my part in the sense that I want to my role is to be advocating for people in their jobs wow. and trying to ensure some semblance of workplace justice well, it's, so, that's, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting interesting quality you, you brought to the mm-hmm. table speaking of that where you know when it comes to your activism work and it comes to like being a labor lawyer where do you think the two meet I mean you, the thing is because usually when it comes to like as you said like it's a cold calculated sort of world everything is you know made you know finite my, my, you yeah, know like your money there are all yeah, sorts of as money is, comes into play you know all, all sorts, sorts of things right yeah. right so do you think that like your activism kind of like folds into like your your professional work certainly. when it comes to those types certainly. of things certainly certainly I mean in the end both have to you know the, the activism is entirely grassroots, and I always mm-hmm. like to say it's, yeah. it's an action by people for people, just right. everyday people coming together to try and, you know, uh, you know, do something that furthers, you know, the community, uh, you know, a, a disempowered group of people, uh, a you know, uh, a, a, you know, paying. A, Casting awareness to an issue that's not being talked about that matters a lot to people, shining a light on inequities in our in our societies and in our community. So yeah, it all you know. I guess the the common thread is is justice and making life a little bit better for people who are you know don't always have a voice. Well, Ethan, tell me this: can can you speak to that? Can you speak to some of the injustices that you see as a labor lawyer? Like, what are some of the the strongest things that you see yeah, that you need know, to be corrected? I mean, just like like this past week, mm-hmm. I, uh, I had the opportunity to represent a neighbor and friend of mine who is a teacher. She teaches early childhood education in private and public schools as an as an independent contractor and. She was basically stiffed out of money that was owed to her by her employer, by one of these educational agencies that get contracts with oh. the Board of Education and by private school entities. I didn't think that could happen to it. Yeah, it, wow. it, absolutely. I mean, she's not a classic employee, and under the labor law, she's entitled to fewer rights. But still, she did work that should be compensated right. to the tune of close to $1,000 and the circumstances you know, surrounding it were entirely the, the fault of this agency. And you think, like, in terms of wage theft, I looked it up. I mean, in, in New York, it's about $125 million worth of wages that are owed to working people Holy by bosses. Wow. So, you know, most people, especially if you're in a precarious situation, say you're undocumented or you don't have the wherewithal to think, I need to go to a lawyer or I know right. a lawyer in the family then it's easy to just be like, you know, throw up your hands, understandably, and say, I, you know, what, what can I do? So basically yeah. those people that, are, that feel, that don't understand the resources around them, exactly. feel disempowered. Exactly. So they feel to themselves, never mind, I'll just lose out, lose out on right. this money. Right. Yeah. Or you're paid under minimum wage. Right. Or you're, you know, working under minimum wage because you don't have documents. Or you're, um, you know, you're... Ter- you know, terminated without without cause. Uh, you know, all sorts of you know injustices that go on in the workplace. So that you know, that, that there's that not everyone can be policed. Right. Um, so you know, it, yeah. You know, I think there has to be a place for someone to come in and say 
you're taking advantage of your position of power and authority in a in a very unfair and uh, you know at times you know cruel way. Right. And you have to be held accountable. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, that's like that's one example from this past week where uh, wow. you know she by happenstance had a conversation with me knowing that I'm a labor lawyer didn't like solicit my services mm-hmm. just I happened to mention how are things at work it's like the, one of the first yeah, things of course. You know, people ask each yeah. other in common <laughs> conversation then you know, part, right. you know why, why you do what you do it's like one of the first things people <laughs> ask each other how are you what, what, do you what do you do and how are things at work and it just comes up that she's having a little work issue and I ask you know well what's going on she said well, well I'm owed you know almost a thousand dollars that seems like a big deal. Maybe I can help you out there. So, I mean, it's not something you really, like, it's easy to laugh about, but it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's got shit, you know? I mean, but, I mean, well, this even actually kind of, like, you know, dabbles within the, the, the space of, like, of gender you know you have a woman that actually is probably most likely used to being underpaid uh used to not being represented correctly within a professional space so generally what she's kind of been conditioned to think is that when it comes to things like this or acts like this against her it's just normalized right yeah i think to an extent i mean yeah i think certainly think the way um you know that there is certainly gender yeah, there's certainly gender and sexism that's you know out there in the workplace and mm-hmm. pervasive. And you know, with her, I don't know exactly. I think she was. She, I think she was very you know aware that she was being wronged. And you know, mm. she, good for her that she, you know she had the wherewithal to word you know sue them in small claims right, court. Right. Um, that's great. Yeah, you know, I, I I I don't know exactly her. I think she. Like a lot of people, including myself, I think she's had kind of an uneven, you know, work history, work experience, um, gone from like one mm-hmm. like contract to another. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's the world of work, and it could be an un- unforgiving place, especially you know when so much of everyone's livelihood is bound up in work, from mm-hmm. your paycheck to right. benefits to it's your true. to your standing in the job market. Mm-hmm. To, um, so I've always felt, you know, if you can just under our law terminate someone without cause, right? Without a good cause, yeah, bad cause, just any, no any, cause, yeah, no cause. Like, 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 wow, like, what does that say about like, you know, the plight of working people in this country? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. No, it is. And it's not like that in most other countries. No, it's not. I mean, because if you if you look at uh, a part of the American philosophy, which is neoliberalism, is very much so that, you know, whatever happens, either be liberal or conservative, you know, right. it, is, it is necessary and is just, right. you know, so to think, treat I, people this way. I think know? it's an it's a interesting, a interesting term, like neoliberalism, and I think there, there's certainly a truth to that, um, you know, that that's the philosophy that we, that America has adopted. I would say arguably since the 70s and 80s. Of like mm, this, uh, indeed, yeah. It's like, you know, free market. Right, free trade, market, open and, trade. Yeah, and, you know, crushing unions. Yeah, <laughs> and, no, you're right. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, having the deck stacked against, uh, you know, people that have to work for a living. 
I actually have to, to try to like flip this around into like, of course, you know, I have to always try, tie things back to comic books or video or, or video games or, 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 or hip hop or whatever. But one of the, uh, my, my, I believe like one of the strongest compunctions that American society has, uh, for Batman right now, you know, like this strong affinity to Batman. Uh, if you, if you follow his timeline from when he originally started in the late, late thirties to when as the times went on in the 50s when you got the Adam West Batman it's like super quirky but then the 80s hit and he becomes dark again and he becomes this character that's you know feared and all these different things but one of the strongest strongest components of that story arc in the 80s for Batman was very much so that um, he's this powerful you know money-making machine that can do all these great things. Mm -hmm. So basically what it is is that, you know, the 80s come around and we get the Gordon Geckos, we get all these different characters that basically embody that greed is good. So you take a character like Batman and has always had greed and has always used his greed and uses his money as some sort of vehicle to be a hero. And you certainly see that right now. Right, Right. you see that now. Precisely. Right, right. You see that now. Making a lot of money. Yes, yes. yes. To be a hero is to have more money, is to be this, this this like white man with agency and to have money to right. do something that no one else can do and you should take it in your own hands so the definition the, the tra- traditional definition of success precisely is, is, how, yeah. much, how much you precisely how much you've made how much you mm-hmm. love people absolutely it. absolutely yeah. and that, that's I mean that's not I love Batman for my own right. particular reasons right. but I, I do believe that that is a lot of a lot of people are in love and infatuated with that notion that mm-hmm. if you have money uh, right. you can actually uh, correct any of these sort of problems, but this has been something that's been going on for a while. Like, if it's not you know a, 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 a fictional f- character like Batman, it's 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 Bill Gates, it's Oprah Winfrey, it's now you know obviously Donald Trump. If it's right. not Donald Trump, it's now people are like really pining for like the Rock, well, Dwayne the Rock well, Johnson to be a president. Yeah, there's always it's like that, always that. Like it's one savior. It's, it's the it's the individualist ethos, right? Uh, it is Horatio Alger, like rags to riches. Indeed, indeed. You know, I would. Say a largely myth of like if you like, work hard and apply yourself then you could yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. I think it is I mean is. if you look at the data and the, you know the inequalities in terms of opportunity and, and uh, you know you know uh, Mobility, then yeah, you see that it largely is a myth. That now, if you if you are born into the bottom, you know, quintile or income of your parent, you know, of the spectrum, you're more than likely not going to be at the top, uh, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of right. how much you apply yourself. Right, right. Uh, there, you know, so. And I think I remember, like, like even in my family, you know, they're not. I wouldn't say they're all, you know progressive like I am, but they were shocked when I told them, you know how, you know, the data, if you look at it, shows that in the U.S., there's far less income and economic mobility as you would think. In mm-hmm. fact, it's even less than many European countries, which you think of as, Absolutely. you know, set in, in old feudal structures mm-hmm. where there's not much, right. you know, moving around and people are set in their class. Uh, but that's, you know, unfortunately, I think, yeah, I think that's what explains like all this anxiety and tension and disaffection in part, you know, in part, mm-hmm. you can't t- take away the racial component. Right. Like, that's racial and gender. Racial, racial and racial and ableism. Yeah, it's all types of, it's all in right. there, but right, part right. of it is like people feeling like, well, 
is this is a system you know working for me do I feel like I have a shot anymore Mm. Do, do I feel like I can get ahead or are my kids going to have a chance to get ahead? Mm. And if they feel like the answer is no, then, you know. Is the, well, is it a matter of the answer being no or is it a matter of this being any sort of doubt? Do you think that it's more so that if there's any doubt created in the American populace, if there's any sort of doubt that maybe perhaps that uh, the the particular system that has been in place for everyone to succeed is wrong. That that's having everyone panic. Could that be it? Like you know, you have. Could that be it? Could that be the response of everyone being supportive of a Bernie Sanders and someone being supportive of a Tr- Donald Trump? Yeah. They both are very much like we need to tear everything down and start over again. Right. Right. I think that certainly uh, a, a distrust and you know, dislike of the system, mm-hmm. of the political system, right. the economic system, right. and seeing it as, you know, as tilted mm-hmm. in some way towards a certain group. Now, the group with each candidate, you know, with Trump versus Sanders mm. differs, but it's a, I think it's certainly a response to something that's real and is, is wrong, um, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, I, I would say that... Uh, I think it's different because of, frankly, the racial component that, mm-hmm. I, that I think gets so much swept under the rug or has been swept under the yeah. rug since the election has now sort of, again, reared its ugly head for everyone to see in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, look, about, right. look, look what happened this past week. you got Donald Trump on stage lambasting a war hero who was a prisoner of war and people chanting that they want him dead. Yes. I mean, like, you know, what sort of sick It's quite, is, quite disgusting. And, like, right. the, and what is that sort of sick, disgusting filth, you know, that, you know, you know, not to equate the two, but racism, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. sick filth, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 that is in a lot of people's hearts. Uh, you no, know, I, I, it, I mean, it, 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 it kind of goes hand in hand, yeah. just this like hatred towards mm-hmm. other people and just like wanting to like, have other people be mistreated. Well, the, as I said before, I mean, like first and foremost, uh, when it comes to, you know, any sort of like othering or blackness, especially anti, there's always this, there's, there's this currency in anti-blackness. I've been saying this for a very long time is that if you are, if it, even either it be a black person, a black body of, you know, black culture in some sort of way, uh, in order to gain some sort of like currency, you have to in some sort of way put it down or, 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 or chastise it or, yeah. or you know antagonize it it's the same thing about if, you know how like in certain particular spaces in which say if you go to a football game or a basketball game there's currency in being a fan of the, of the home team so if you're if you come there and you're like you know oh I'm I'm I'm, I'm dressed up in the away team yeah, yeah, yeah. like you're already gonna be looked at right, a certain right. particular way unless you're at City Field and then you're like, <laughs> I'm just like a dodgy yeah. they're like everyone they're all like right. taking over the stadium <laughs> yes in the normal <laughs> course if you're not right. in that right. 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 you're you're that's right. the outside right. coming right. in and exactly. you're chastised that's the point yeah. exactly that, that's what right. I'm saying right. but also too I, what, there's also another element of I, I think that's going on too when it 
it comes to the pressurized, you know, sense of panic in the in America is that well, we part, have well, part that I think we've been in a war. Yeah, we've been in a war for how many years? War, that's true. That's a lot and, I to think, do. and I think there's some like what we were talking about earlier with Bernie Sanders and the economic, you know, tumult and uh, you know uneasiness and just uh, disaffection. But you know, part of it I think is the fact that under you know. Uh, you know, I, I do think there's been some, like, progress, some progress economically, socially, in the African American community over the course of time. There are serious inequities mm-hmm. and, and structural racism, like that's that's largely been unaddressed, and we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. But even like the, I think the reality and the perception that African Americans have done better has been like, well, why are what if they're doing better? Why don't we? Why are we still, you know? See, but I think and, and I, I think, think there's an antagonism towards that. Too. Well, I think that I think that I think that if it, 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 that's. <sighs> I think that like that that's elusive because I think that if you you think about you know African Americans, Black people, Black Americans actually doing better, it's they're still doing. If if you want to say quote that and say they're doing better, it's a matter of them maybe perhaps maybe moving a little the needle along in right. negative, in, yes. in negative right. like moving past the negative a bit. Because if you look at it in like charging, you know, in like in like credit, you know, <laughs> like black people are just getting at like some black people are just getting over the negative right. marks. Right. Somewhat. But if you think about all of the years of disenfranchisement from schooling, from, you know, from the, just the racial trauma uh Bodies being beaten, oh, of killed. No, I'm just saying. Oh no, no, I agree. I'm just, I'm just saying. I know. I totally, I know you totally agree. But I'm just saying, like, like, like for the average white American, I'd be like, oh, hey, like, but I think, I think black people are getting. I don't think there's anything. Yeah, yeah. I think even the perception of having an African American president—that's the perception of it. Right, right, right. Symbol. Right, right, right. Getting ahead. Right. And you know, having a member of the African American community hold the most powerful position in the mm-hmm. world uh, and occupy the Oval Office, there's a perception of moving ahead. And I think that, you know, part of that, part of what we've seen, like, is a rea- is a, is a strong reaction and antagonism towards that. And I agree yeah, with yeah, you yeah, that yeah. it's pirate, that, 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 you know, there's still all sorts of problems and injustices and inequities and it, that, that have been unaddressed by Obama and by yeah. our uh, by the country, uh, and you know, I think for like like white for white people, the election of Donald Trump has shined a light and yeah, on on those things in a way that you know we you know we were you can't in, in a privileged yeah, position yeah. to not see right, you can yeah you can't and can't and, and, and yeah, you know living under like a racist president mm-hmm. I think for white people is sort of like a well woke a come to a little a little bit of a come to Jesus moment a little bit in yes. terms of like you know living under a overtly racist overtly racist president. yeah 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 right. we've had yeah. racist presidents yeah. going back, you know, yeah. I mean there's a long mm-hmm. history I mean look at like look you know, at, look we, Reagan, Reagan, or yeah. Nixon, Nixon you know, yeah. you know, Woodrow Wilson. Mm-hmm. We've we've had yeah, like racist, so you know, you, you know, even worse. But you know, where racism, if you say like, someone, are you? Is it okay to be like racist? That most, you know, most people on the face.
atheists would say no. Even if they are, they, you know, they would say that the racism is not acceptable right. in modern, in like the last, you know, modern times in our lifetime. So to have someone so casual and so overt, mm-hmm. and you know, and so bigoted to 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 rise to the highest office in the land is sort of like a wow, interesting thought like there. A, like a, I think for what I, for like mm-hmm. for I, I totally am. Um, you know, see how African Americans see it much differently given yeah. their, given lived experience in this country. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But for white people, it's like uh, it takes on a different, a higher level of shock and awe. It's Indeed, like, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a really great point because, like, that's been one of the strongest uh, themes of. Trump's presidency among, you know, people of color, black people especially, when it, as opposed to, like, white people. White people mm-hmm. see these certain particular despicable acts and or despicable scenes, and they'll say, oh, my God, holy shit, this is terrible. While black people will be so... we Generationally, we've been so desensitized. Right, right, we're just right, like, right, oh, okay, it's right. another showing and display that America hates us. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so, like, I totally understand what you're saying. You make a very grand point right there is that, oh, and, you know, holy shit, me, People like, yeah. shit. And even yeah. for me, like growing up, you know, Jewish American, mm-hmm. and you know, in Queens, and like a, you know, up in a middle class Jewish neighborhood, you know, you learn like all the history and persecution in Europe, and you know, throughout the ages. Um, but growing up here in New York City. I never felt it. Interesting. Know, and really? Directly, no. I never, mm-hmm. So to like see it, you know, in such like you know, with, with Trump, uh, you know, with the Nazis, Nazis in the last right, week, right, and uh, you right. know, all, all this is. Uh, it's kind of like an awakening to like, wow, you know, there really are a whole bunch of people who hate you for yeah. who you are and who's getting legitimacy and sympathy from the president of the freaking United States. So, well, it, it's, so it's a little, like, I guess a, what you're yeah. talking about, how it, it's like ingrained in African Americans to think like, oh, this country hates us, doesn't value us, devalues us, mm-hmm. attacks us, mm-hmm. is violent against us. And, and you know, you, 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 in some, you know, well, I have a question. Different way, seeing a little bit of that. I have a question for you then, with that in regard to that. Uh, be, being a white man uh, and seeing all of this, like, and being coming up in a Jewish culture, yeah. you know, this being you, uh, do you do you think now you actually can say that you're actually afraid? Do you think do you find yourself feeling afraid in certain instances now after no, seeing everything? So, so I don't because I, I mean I don't I'm not you know I'm not like. Uh, I don't wear, you know, yarmulke or like I'm not so. When I'm walking in the street, people don't see me as Jewish. I'm still seen as a white person. Interesting. You don't have a visual indicator. I'm not like instinct, you know, discreet and like discreet and insular Orthodox person. Great point. But if I were to like, you know, get like grow a beard and Mm -hmm. put on a yarmulke and like and the whole and the whole you know Mm -hmm. garb and go like, you know. And in other parts of the country, <laughs> who, uh, who knows how it would feel? Uh, yeah, probably different. Uh, but Interesting. You, but they're you know, wow. I you know, looking like a, any other white person, mm-hmm. you know, you there's, could, there's you a privilege to that, a, yeah. a safety yeah. to that, too. right? A shield. Right, right. I, I do have a question for you when it comes to that. Then I mean, like I've read multiple places. I've done some studying of sorts about how you know uh, Jewish Americans. Uh, 
basically acquiesced, you know, when in the 40s and 50s and 30s when they came over and, and, and kind of infiltrated certain particular spaces in, in American society. They took took on certain jobs. They took they 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 kind of like just like almost Irish Americans kind of dropped certain parts of their name in order to right. look more white. Assimilation. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Jewish Americans did do that. They, they did in well, certain they, ways. They did. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of Jewish people assimilated. The big thing was working on Saturday on Sabbath. And that Interesting. Was, when I came to Ellis Island right. in the twenties from Eastern Europe. There was like there was a whole big divide in terms of the ones who assimilated were willing to work um, wow, on the Sabbath, and then know that. some of the Orthodox ones kind of kept their traditions and and, and, and culture and not culture but their religious traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Jewish people like other immigrant groups largely uh, assimilated relatively fast. Wow. Yeah, and, and um, became Americans. But it, it always bears remembering that like. Back then, in the 20s and 30s, much like the Italian, and I think Tassani Coates in Between the World and Me speaks this point, mm-hmm. that when they came as Italians, as Irish, as Jews, they weren't white right. by no, them white not. in America. They it was not. only through assimilating, assimilating right. that you took on this mm-hmm. this conceived right. notion of right. whiteness. Right. And you right. see, like right now with this all like all quote all right neo Nazis, yeah. <laughs> you know how you know you're really for a lot of people not white. It's like a, it's an American conception that you're that you deemed, are white, dead yeah, white, white. white. part of the right. majority, right. the majority you know culture right. Right. race, right, right. Um, Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a social construct. Indeed, it is right. It is so, indeed. Yeah. So can you can you speak to that? Like when it comes to understanding these social constructs. Uh, well, that's what's saying it, but it shouldn't right. take away from like the privilege. No, of course, of course not. Skin, oh skin. no, it doesn't. Of course not. It doesn't. It shouldn't take away from that. And you know. But, yeah. You know, no. Of I, course not. Of course not. I don't think that it, it yeah. should at all. I mean. But, um, but yeah, but as I was saying, um, when it comes to, you know, understanding that this is a social construct, right, um, how, in what ways, in what ways does that actually educate you to, you know, advocate for people that look different, differently from you, like right. understanding this like strong, right. like component right. in well, American well, I society. I, I think it always comes with, like, you, know, you see people as, as people and you, and you always, or, you know, I always, in my, in my, in my interactions, you know, trying to, you know, humanize people and, and see mm-hmm. them for who they are. But, you know, there's an awareness in a way that perfectly in conversations with yourself and other people, uh, you know, just understanding the lived realities of race and racism in America in a way that I was never attuned to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, growing up uh, in the neighborhood in, in the background that I did. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think it, it comes it comes down to being understanding, listening, and and educating myself about these questions that are that are real and outstanding and unresolved and and need to be and need to be advocated for in terms of you know, you know paving the way towards a more just society where we do have 
more equality when it comes to race. Interesting. I, well, I would say, um, well, many people would say that you are basically like the poster child for like being a good ally to people of color. <laughs> so what do you think is like, I mean, based on your experiences dealing with people of color and being in spaces that aren't white, um, what are some of the strongest lessons you've learned about like other people and like other like cultures? Yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting question. Like I, I didn't even like reflect upon because obviously, uh, you know, for me, it's like, it's very easy because, you know, mm-hmm. in the end, like people are people and you, you just, mm-hmm. you, you, I think that, I think everyone wants to be in, in the end treated like with dignity. Mm-hmm. And, and when you, and, and, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, you want to give people a sense that you, you understand where they're coming from, that you, that you hear them, that you, you want to, you know, understand exactly where they're coming from and, uh, and you're willing to listen, genuinely listen. Right. And not and not talk and respect their 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 plight their plight but Mm -hmm. to really listen right and take it in interesting and uh, and let and let them do the talking and you do the listening what a concept (laughs) incredible no seriously yeah yeah but but it's not always it doesn't always happen that way it's true in 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 people's daily interactions especially uh, you know when it comes to people of different backgrounds and, and colors. Uh, so, well, tell me this, man. Do you, do you think that from your, from, from, from actually being, you know, acquainted with other cultures, do you think that you've learned more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I certainly learned about my own privilege, mm. um, you know, uh, and, uh, and I think, yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, I, I think, Having a, a, I think, a higher level of humility mm. in terms of myself and the role of an ally, <laughs> as you talked about, how you know you're trying, you're trying to advocate, but in the end, it's not about you. It's about something larger, and about you know people who have, you know not had a voice and have been disadvantaged and oppressed or not and not just in the past but in the present mm-hmm. indeed um, wow. so yeah I've, I've yeah that's a I've definitely learned about myself and uh, and what it means to advocate for other people who don't necessarily look like me wow well and that's incredible. Um, no, I mean, like for you to actually be able to articulate it and personify it that way, like that's a really incredible. It's a really good thing. That's wonderful to hear. Um, it really is. I mean, like the thing, as I said before, um, it's important to have these discussions as often as possible. But I also try to understand that me being a person of color and being in a privileged position is it is a privilege to be a black man and actually have, uh, you know, have white friends or have a white wife. Uh, that's really important to ha- to talk about because, you know, black people for so long in this country have been 
you know, been through such traumatic experiences mm-hmm. and we don't get an opportunity or have the wherewithal to actually feel that we can trust other white people because we've been burned and we've been hurt and we've, we've and there's been, and there's been such there's tension, such tension. Among the races. right, 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 and then, but also like we have been have have been lied to, have been stolen from, have right. we've we've had our culture right. stolen, our whole lives stolen, and, and raped and murdered, and, and, and yeah, and that has been tr- that sort of trauma and pain has has gone unchecked, has been passed down, either it be through disjointed families, be through you know like mass incarceration, right. do uh, all these other things, wealth, wealth, wealth gaps, right, and all of those, all, all of that pain gets right. reincarnated through each generation. Right. And what we do is we understand with each generation passing by that we can't trust white people more and more and more. Right. So it's but but me, me me I have to understand that is my privilege to actually be around white people that actually showed me that they can be decent people. Right. Not all black people have that privilege. So I believe that is it is important that I have these conversations yeah, yeah. at times. And you know, like, like, yeah. And I you know yeah I I have, you know, African American friends like yourself mm-hmm. and, but you know growing up I didn't have like too many interactions mm-hmm. with African Americans, and that says a lot. Yeah, so, right. When you think about it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, we, we, you know, our social circles were, were still very much, you know, in very different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you know, when it comes to race, uh, mm-hmm. just in terms of who we inter- mm-hmm. interact, interact with, with. Yeah. Yeah. interact with. It's uh, true. No. Uh, and it's a sad, it's a sad commentary, but you think like how much can come when, you know, you do have that sort of just, just talking about things like we are right now. Mm-hmm. Right? No, seriously, seriously. Jeez. Um, and that's why like when, the, when talking yeah. to you for the first time and you just like opening up my eyes <laughs> the way that I had never had my eyes open <laughs> like that and, and what, you know that, and, tr- and then trying to like open up my family's eyes, but not in any, not in the same powerfully, uh, you know, not in the same powerful and visceral and personal way that you could. Uh, oh, you know, it, yeah. it, you just it, there's just there's something that that comes with that. Um, so, you know, I think I think you're right. I think like dialogue and um, you know, friendship, go you know goes a long way to under to understanding. You know where everyone comes from and seeing the world through their own lens. I mean, I, I totally agree with you, uh, but I also think that that is something that has to be learned, and I think that's something when it comes to especially black people has to be something that people fe- they feel comfortable in doing that they feel comfortable that okay you know I actually like my like first and foremost black people. We, we already understand that everything that we talk about, all the pain that we actually experience, all the pain that we say that we experience is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, But also, it's not our job to make white people know that it is not a figment of our imaginations, because that's generally what happens. And that also goes back, just to tie back everything back around, it ties back into neoliberalism. It's like, okay, black people can be can suffer for these right reasons because at the end of the day, like this, the money will be okay because they didn't pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Right. They should have did that because everyone gets a fair shot, right? right. That's essentially what it that's comes the, that's, that's to. The, that's Indeed, the right. But that's, that is true racism. The true racism is the apathy. It's to not care. Right. These like damaging public policies. And that, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's, 
that and that's it's what that it is. stereotype, right? Uh, right. That is actually you know that like is part of how it all regenerates. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Too, how people right, feel right. the trauma of well, I'm mm-hmm. just not good enough because right. I, precisely because of the color of my skin. Precisely. That's what society is telling me. Right. So maybe the fact that I you know need a little help with my homework or I need help mm-hmm. with this course. You know, I, I shouldn't ask for help because it's it's based on who I am, and that and that trauma, that psychological trauma that's inflicted by that stereotyping no, right. is ever present. No, you actually absolutely right. And it was only and just yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it, it's real, and mm-hmm. it's easy when you have privilege and being white to you know to not realize that privilege. Mm-hmm. Like where you're coming, you know. Well, the default is white. The, the default, default is right. white. Right. So that's why, I mean, of course you can't understand, like, oh, how, what's the issue here? Like, it worked for me and I had a it tough worked, life. Right. It worked I had a tough life. Yeah, I worked hard. Yeah, I worked hard. hard. I, I, right. you know, so why does it work right. for you? Why does it work for you? But, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, I mean, uh, it's, it's quite fascinating, actually. I, um, to go, to talk back, to, to kind of roll everything in, to come full circle about uh, the young lady, the nice lady that you, you were representing mm-hmm. when it came to her losing out on her money as a teacher. I, uh, I'm currently reading this book, among other books, but it's this book called uh, Whistling by Gaudi, I think it's I think it's called. Uh, but in the book, it's a, it's a social scientist, and what he's doing is like conducting certain um, certain particular uh, controlled tests and controlled like experiments to figure out like how and why um, certain people, depending on who they are, uh, operate differently in certain spaces, especially in like professional spaces. So there was a particular um, incident in which uh, he had, uh, you know, he took um, women, white women, that is, that actually operate, they operate the top percentile of their class when it comes to mathematics. Um, had them take a test, controlled environment, and take a test among their peers, all women. They all scored extremely high. Um, then they had another test in which they had the women in the same women in the class with men. And their test scores fell. Mm-hmm. So basically, what <clears throat> the author was basically trying to explain was that um, you know you have you have this um, certain particular uh, confirmation bias that you're working against. So as a woman, a white woman, that is, what he explains is that you're not only working against your own limitations, mm-hmm. you're working against everyone else's views of your limitations. Mm-hmm. So you have to work twice as hard right. in order to actually make right. sure you right. do your average job. So it's the same thing with black right. people. Right. So black people have to uh, understand and, that and they, black women, any, black women, women especially, women precisely, right. black women have to work at the hardest, exactly. Right. But my point is is that when you, being a person of color, when you walk into a white space, which is which is pretty much the majority of America, is a, is a white space, you have to be on guard. Uh, you have to make sure that you're not confirming that they think you're stupid. Right. But then also on top of that, you have to make sure you work extremely hard to make sure you're just doing your job right. Yeah, yeah, so you have yeah. three things like against you. Right. So you have to work harder. Hyper aware. But that's what I was saying about, that's why I was bringing it full circle about around the woman that you were speaking to that she has to, she, she and even without you knowing this, without knowing you know, it. even without her knowing that I'm saying that she understands that they're just as right as rain. 
as she knows that at night, as she knows that if he goes out too late at night, she's got to make sure that she's much more on guard than me or you. Right. It's the same sort of thing. It's these 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 instincts, you know. And and that's what I was saying that she probably had this like innate, like conditioned instinct to be like, well. Fuck it, this shit yeah. happens to me, right, right. and that's what I was saying. That shit happens. That's the that's a part of the hurdle. Right. <laughs> that's true. You know, and it's it's really really interesting how that works out. Yeah, yeah. I think there, there's a lot to what you're saying. There's confirmation bias. Yeah. And people, you know, we're you know we all have our conscious and subconscious biases. Right. And, right. And, right. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's reality and. We will have to do our part to try to overcome them. See, but that that goes back into what I'm saying, too, about when it comes to being a person of color. I believe that, like, (laughs) I believe that, like, that's why you should be extra good to women. That's why you should be extra good to those that can't take care of themselves. You should be extra good to those that are trans, homosexual, bisexual. It's, it's important because they share a commonality of, of, of struggling the same, mm-hmm. like in a similar way. So, <laughs> so like I, 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 I totally, totally, totally agree with you mm-hmm. that it is confirmation bias and it's something that you got to work but, past. But, but you would, you would agree that, uh, mm-hmm. that black people have a unique, it's a unique, it's a unique, it's a unique thing. In, 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 in this country. Of course, and, but then also on top of that, is a, there's a unique black experience. Right. See, if you're if if you're a, a, a person that comes from like we the talk islands, about, we talk about people of color, people of color, there, there is like you know, yeah, there's, there is a pressure right, against there, people of color right, right. And to not be white, but, but there's all like, different types. Or African American, that's mm-hmm. an entirely entire, entirely history, unique history and and need. Right. Play. Indeed, our, our history was completely expunged, right? So, like for instance, like a lot of people, like I, I always get into this debate about how, like, you have, um, you know, islanders or people from like the islands that come over that are black, without a doubt, black. They are black, but they don't necessarily they don't identify most of the time as African American because the they're not experience. or the African American experience. Uh, there's some that have been here for many years, but so it's how, just has so a how different feel. I'm curious. Yeah. You get to ask. Like, no, yeah. I'm yeah, yeah, how about, yeah. How about you know things that you've learned about mm-hmm. society or white people from being married to a white woman that you didn't know previously? Now you mentioned like having white friends mm-hmm. and seeing that white people can be good, decent, caring, mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, good people. But how about that? How about the? How does that open your eyes to you know? Race, racism, white people, in a way that you didn't know previously before becoming engaged mm-hmm. in marrying mm-hmm. a white a white woman. See, there there's a lot that I've learned since I've I've we can been go on all yeah all around about Rachel yeah whatever <laughs> Rachel because yeah uh, but one of, I think one of the, the, the one of the most one of the most paramount things I've learned from. Uh, being in a relationship with a white woman is is intersectionality when it comes to feminism. That's one of the most important things. But also too the the connection and the the, the linking of of how how the differences of, of the, the the commonality, but also yet the differences between racism and sexism. That's one of the biggest things that I've learned mm-hmm. is that racism and sexism are distant cousin, cousins. Mm-hmm. They are not the same, but they're similar mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. But what has always struck me was that sexism and misogyny are older, Mm -hmm. right? Racism, in the American sense, is American creation. Uh, What, 
500 years old, 400 years old. Mm-hmm. It's an American creation, Western civilization, right? But sexism and misogyny, that goes back way longer. Right, right, right. So if you if you look at misogyny and sexism and how it all operates and works, it's a lot more pervasive. Like for instance, like you can't if you if you're a white person, you can't say nigger, right? But if you're a, a white person or a white male, white woman, whatever, you can say bitch. Right. You can say bitch because what it is is that it's it, but there's currency in that. So you could still say bitch and like still call the woman a certain particular way and call her out of her name and say all these different things and make her feel terrible. And it's completely fine. It's, it's socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. So I, I've learned a lot about how that works and the differences in like how, you know, you know, uh, colloquially and socially and how all these different things work and the divisions of all of that. It's one of the biggest things I've learned being with Believe it or not, being with a white woman. I mean, like, um, uh, because like those those discussions always come up, and I have to think about them in different ways. Right. Yeah. How about about whiteness? Oh, about whiteness. Yeah, in general? yeah, yeah. Um, whiteness in general. Well, I mean, yeah, you yeah. Have, like, probably had white friends before. Oh, I've had white friends before. before. Yeah, certainly. But how about but getting into like marriage? Yes, that's a good question. Um, whiteness generally. Whiteness in general. Um. I've noticed about whiteness in general is that uh, white people have a certain propensity to um, more so not necessarily center everything around themselves, but but to take hold and take stock of their privilege of not un- and 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 that that's being something that's reinforced in them something that is in some sort of way deserving like it's something that they should be mm-hmm. invested in is their own privilege right. i've learned that a great deal i've learned that that you know the most well-meaning of white people could still uh buy into racism and not even know it and 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 not even just like the the the, the, everyone thinks racism is just like you know backwoods like hillbilly with a you know you know incest type no 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 like the hood yeah it's burning cross no it's like the 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 real like racism as i said before is the apathy it's it's this benevolent type racism it's this oh you know like it's okay like you you know you you speak so well for a black guy and it's that yeah it's right it's that level is that extra code level it's that and and being around like the condescendent condescension being around that patronizing right the patronizing and but but not noticing it, not understanding it, not seeing right, it. Right. That's that's been something that's uh, that's been something I've had to wrestle with, and to thinking that it's just normalized. I've had to wrestle with that in a lot of ways, and not necessarily just like Rachel's family or anything. It's more so of a thing like being around whiteness uh, in such a, 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 a you know a more concentrated capacity, you know, because like white friends, white this, white you know, like it's it's just more of a thing. But also too. Um, yeah, seeing that 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 on the inverse, seeing that blackness is 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 not the easiest thing for white people to digest. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just honestly, like I, I like I, Rachel's is mar- marvelous in that sense that she has always just respected and loved all the cultures, but she is a fucking nine dozen. Like she really is, you know. So it's it's really really interesting how it all plays out mm-hmm. you know so yeah. like yeah it, it's it's i learned a lot about myself like realizing 
you know, because you're it's the it's the rock, no, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think about it even like I thought about that very point mm-hmm. involving myself, and mm-hmm. like you say, what have you learned? Mm-hmm. I think like you know, when I met like Ken. And I think, you know, there's a lot to be said about, you know, mm-hmm. his brilliance and, and mm-hmm. that, you know, how standout he is. But why is it at the rally that I feel compelled to say that he has such a future? Like, you know, yeah. you know I think, why, why do you feel like to say that about him, mm-hmm. to introduce him in that way? I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, not to like, you know. It's you know you have to like deconstruct that a little bit. Yes, yeah. like he is like I would say mm-hmm. relative to the other young speakers. Going to say he's really right. really impressive. Right, but, right. But you know he happens to also only mm-hmm. be the African American young mm-hmm. speaker coming mm-hmm. on stage, and you know. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I giving agree. credence no, no, to what no, you're I, saying. Yeah, yeah. So you're and, you know, mm-hmm. no, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. realizing that, and it, it had come to my mind before mm-hmm. you pointed that out. But just in the moment, you pointing that out about like it, it sort of you know in, in some sense it resonated with me based on uh, a very recent uh, it, to, but experience. To, to piggyback on that too is that you know um, I've learned more about my own trauma as a black person. So you know being married to a white woman and having these discussions about race and gender at all times, we talk about it every single day. There's times that I have to recheck myself to make sure that. Is it, you know is something Rachel said was that is was that uh, was that a play on her benevolent like unknown unknown racism like perhaps maybe she's like buying into racism right now and, they, and then I have to recheck myself and be like wait a minute this is my wife right. like she's looking right. she, it's not necessarily that right. we can deconstruct that if it is a problem right. but. Right. I, if she's asking me to take out the garbage, it's not because it's like right, you right. do this because you're right. beneath me. No, no, you know, like right, right. so. It's it's, it's, it's a Monday, yeah, right, 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 right. right. But it, but that goes into play about like the, the the trauma and the damage of like of like it being so institutional, right? You know, and not understanding that how in what ways and how just it affects how, you. How you see how, how you see how the race is an ever present reality right. for black people in a way that it's not yeah, for white people. Right, 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 right. We just don't. You know, don't deal with it, right? Right, you know, because that's the part of the privilege. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you mean like that. That's a part of it. Is like to not, like you said, it's not to ever have those. You, race, it, like you, if you think about it, like you've never had to, you know, it's the same shit with gender too. Because if you think about it, like you know, not the same, but similar. You know, as a kid, your parents never had to tell you the, to like how to act around a police officer. You get pulled no, over. No, See, I, already, I, I just mean, know it. I, I just was, know. I was, just, I was yeah. almost like ingrained to be scared shitless and mm-hmm. to like be like you know as de- you know deferential as, as like yeah, as like hey, hey, hey. Probably, yeah. See, but me but on the never a conversation. Yeah, a conversation. Had. Yeah, but I, in my personal experience. Not only have I had experiences, this is even before I had a bad experience with police officers. I, I have had many adult figures in my life tell me, like, when a police officer pulls you over, what you have to do is turn on the lights, put your hand on the, on the dashboard, and put your wallet on the dashboard, and do not move. Right. So basically what you're going to do is completely delete all your humanity at that point in time and right. forget who you are as a person because that person that's outside of your window right. has more control over your whole life. life than you've ever had at that moment. So that is, that's a jarring experience. But then also in the, in the inverse, what my wife told me once that really made me think about like my own self as a man, she told me once, she said, you know, when I, when I was a little girl, my mother told me that if I'm, if I'm about to be raped or sexually assaulted, do not yell rape, yell fire, which really 
really hit me. She said people. She said she said my mother told me people care more about their own shit being burned than your body, and that fucked me up. I was like, how is it that people care more about their own personal possessions than yours of self being? That's what made me think to myself like I have to reexamine the way I look at things as a man. Right. That's that. Like she told me this years ago, so that made me reexamine. Like that's why I believe that I'm. I, I'm so strongly believe in feminism. The, that that one conversation was enough to be able to be like, wait a minute, let me like completely reexamine every dealing I've had with women because it just it was a shock. It, was, it just hurt me so much. Be, but right. Right. this is a, this is a reality she was born into. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it, but as I said, this is this is the this is the connection of how it's racism and sexism have a very similar vein. Not the same thing. Definitely right. not the same thing. Definitely not. But they have a very similar right. vein. Right. Very similar vein. But um. But yeah. So it's, we got that. Yeah. yeah. We got we got into this whole thing yeah. about whiteness. Yeah. About whiteness. Yeah. 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 It's a very fascinating concept. It's very it's very 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 fascinating concept. Um, but no, we. I, um, I wanted to ask you very, very, very briefly about the about the rally. I mean, like, I know that we we spoken about the rally a couple of times because the rally was some dope shit that you've done. Um, but you headed up this rally in Queens, which is fucking sick. So yeah. can you like speak to that and tell me what, like what you did? Like, yeah, yeah. So back like when, when everything was you know totally haywire right after the inauguration, that first week with the executive actions and JFK and just like feeling all the gloom and doom, I started, you know, going to protest for the first time in my life um, right after the election. And um, I felt that I needed to be doing more in my local community to bring this, quote, resistance uh, back home, and I was, you know, shocked at how little the local politicians were saying uh, about what was going on. How, un- in my opinion, how un-American it was. Mm-hmm. You know, foundationally, everyone's such an over, you know, used term un-American, but I truly believe that this was like such a betrayal of fundamental American ideals. Right. So I, I ended up meeting by happenstance at one of these rallies a Muslim American activist. And, you know, she had a force of personality to engage and approach me out of the blue. And wow. we decided, I said, I'm thinking about doing a rally. And she's like, yeah, we'll do it. Let's do it. I'm going to, like, I'm going to give you my Rolodex of information wow. of people. And you're going to, we're going to organize a coalition to Whoa. do this rally. And I say, and I asked her, do you think people are actually going to come? And she's like, oh, there'll be many hundreds. Don't worry about it. There'll be many hundreds. And I was like, in between jobs, had a bunch, had a lot of time on my hands. And, you know, you think to yourself, what more can I be doing right now right. Than, than to do a rally? And I had no idea how grassroots organizing activism worked, uh, how to do a rally. I, you know, remember, I knew from being a lawyer, you needed a permit. <laughs> and on the permit, I put... 50 to 100 expected attendance and 20 days after just getting that permit about close to a thousand people showed up wow. to a park in, in wow. the middle of Queens and Forest Hills and it was the quote Queen Stands Together rally and it was quite a you know quite a moment where I never felt closer to my neighbors or my community than in that park um, in that moment in time and 
and uh, it sort of it kickstarted this activism, like this this bug that I haven't uh, you know I haven't gotten over uh, since that point in time. So yeah, we, we this coalition and these actions, these town halls, these rallies that we've been doing is all in the spirit of just like you know calling attention to like the absolute sheer dangerous absurdity that, that's going on in the country right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's the kind of the, the rally. I mean, I could go into like more about the the planning, the speakers, the you know, you know the you know the behind the scenes, uh, you know what it takes to put on a rally. Uh, but that's the that's the long and short of it. It really was a handful of people, just one person talking to another person, that ended up. You know, bringing a whole lot of people together. Wow. I mean, it really, it really is as simple as that. Wow. That's how gra- you know grassroots you know, movements and activism how it transpires. It just just feels a, just a re- me literally. Wow. It was at an Uber, a protest about Uber breaking mm-hmm. the strike or the uh, yeah that uh, JFK mm-hmm. like uh, right right. right. That's we, it was right around that time. That's what happened. Yeah, was, um, there was something. Cutting their fares and trying to gain business. Gain business from when everything was going on with JFK. And that's where I met Masada Udin. Is I was I, I was in between jobs, labor lawyer. Why not show up to this? I heard. I forget how her. You know, it was it was a high school alum who I'd met for networking, who was an organizer at Thirty Two BJ, who just randomly sent me the Facebook invite, and I was like, you know, I got nothing better to do in this job search. I'm going to show up. I'm going to see the whole blue, and I'm holding like you know, I'm in like you know, suit, looking all official, like a lawyer, and you know, figure out maybe get some business cards, meet people, be in the mix when you're in between jobs, yeah. when you're unemployed. Yeah. Uh, be out there, do something, get out of your apartment. <laughs> and I'm holding like a 32BJ sign and Mazita, for whatever reason, approaches me wow. and gives me her business card. And in that moment, it was a forgettable encounter. Right. It was very quick. I remember like someone approached me and said, hello, how are you? I, we need to... You know, but I, I don't. It was only afterwards she followed up. Really? In that somehow I gave her some sort of contact information. Some contact information was exchanged, and she said, "You need to be down in JFK. We need lawyers. Like, why aren't you down in JFK? People are still there. People are still like, you know, volunteer lawyering." And I said, "Well, you're right. I should. But I'm thinking about doing this rally, and that's in the follow-up. That's where it really got hatched. And then I." The next day, or maybe like that night, um, reached out to P- our friend Peter Beetle. Oh, saying, sad, like, yeah. Saying, I'm thinking about doing a rally. You want to help out? I know how passionate, you know, and active you are in yeah. the community. Peter's great. And that's that's how it all got started. It really, it really was just that simple. That's amazing, man. <laughs> One thing leads to the next. And I think we, like, in the moment, we obviously tapped into something that was very deep in the sense that a lot of people like myself who never went, usually went to rallies, never did this sort of thing, came out in a way that, that, that was certainly surprising to me. Um, but, but, you know, when you tap into something deep, 
you know, people respond. People respond. Wow. So that's the that's the kind of the nutshell story of the realm. We had the city council speaker come out. We had the borough president. We had local elected officials. Um, you know, who felt compelled to be there. After you already asked them, and they said no. Well, no, actually, uh, you know, it was it was only the only person I asked it was a run in, a hole in the a random run in a hole in the wall restaurant in Brooklyn with the city council speaker <laughs> a few days before the rally when it was like off the hook going crazy. We had like twenty three hundred people on the page interested, like eight hundred committed on the Facebook page. It was taking it was taking it would taken off. And I said, I happened to like run into it randomly. Just totally randomly. Some things are meant to be I'm like I recognized who she was. I said, I'm doing this grassroots rally. You should come. And he said she said talk to my aides and then she like shows up. But like Damn. the other ones the you know the they felt, uh, you know, it compa- it, we didn't ask them to come. They, uh, they, they felt that they needed to be there. Hmm. But you know, in the end, it wasn't them who initiated the rally. It was people. Yeah, it was people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What do you? What? What? I have two more questions for you. Then we're gonna wrap up, but. What do you, you say? We can go on. Yeah, we can go on and on. Well, these are obviously an ongoing conversation. No, no, no. We can, we can always do like a part two, of course. We have to. Um, yeah, we, we certainly have, have to. to. Yeah, There's yeah, always more to explore. There is, there is. Um, I was going to ask you. So, see, it's interesting because you you doing this rally, it gave people the opportunity to actually be a part of something as opposed to like taking the, the time on their own particular separate schedules to do something that is its own form of activism. What do you think, what do you think is like the best way to motivate people that, That's that don't yeah. have, that they're not a part of like a rally or yes, protest or, or don't you know, come out. They don't come out. That, that, right. Like, a, what do you think is like, what, what best? Well, that's the big, it's a yeah, to be question. Like, hey, what compelled me to I need like, to act start locally. going? I need to act locally yeah, all the time. Not to go to a rally. Right. Not to just go to a rally. Right. 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 But to initiate one right. in my local community. Right, right. Uh, and what compels people to like take that step beyond just posting and then acting? Right. I, I think it like it's it's partly I think if you see your friends doing it, if it becomes more socially acceptable in your circle, then it becomes more likely that's just what you do. Right. Uh, you know, I think of my friends. All my friends are like for like activists. Yeah, yeah, yeah of <laughs> like, course. They're, they're, yeah. they're politically active. That, you know. So part of it is 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 cultural, mm-hmm. uh, but. Mm-hmm. So being more acquainted with the culture. Being more acquainted with the culture will give you more impetus to actually be involved. Certainly, certainly. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, just look at my, just look at the thing about, like, in my family. Mm -hmm. They came to the rally because I was organizing it. But when it came to, like, the healthcare town hall, I have a brother who's who's not just a doctor, but an MPH. He didn't, like... Decide voluntarily to come to that health those healthcare town halls. Oh. Why is that? You yeah. know, his brother's doing right, it. Right. He cares about it. He's an MPA, a master right. in public health. Right. You know, I think it, it's just it has to do with you know what what does it take to to activate someone to take the next step? It's, it's a really tough question. Mm-hmm. 
there's so much work to do to get people to take the minimal step of voting. Voting, yeah. yeah. Half the country didn't vote in the last election with so much at stake. Yeah, so much at stake. World history, U.S. history is on a totally different trajectory right now because of what happened. And yet half the people didn't vote. Right, right. So I almost feel like, you know, we're talking about something at an even, you know, deeper level of of greater commitment Interesting. going to protest rallies mm-hmm. you know acting you know, basic meeting civic, with a representative you're going right, to a town hall right, right. you know your that's basic a civic, civic duty, obligations do right, right that's yeah, like a much yeah. higher level of engagement and you're right it's a very good question like mm. I mean I think that you get a, a, it's minimally you know I don't even you know like a minimal thing just to vote right yeah, and I think that citizenship, especially right now, demands a higher, much higher level of involvement. Interesting. Um, so, but how do you, I think you have to make it personal for people. Why does it matter to them? Why does it impact them? And there's so much cynicism out there. And some of it, like, with, you know, part of it's understandable. You know, look at, uh, part of that's the appeal of Trump. Right. Cynicism. Right. That you can't, that no one cares about you, that you can't effectuate anything. You can't effectively that change you, anything you yourself. Change anything. Yeah. And that's why you need me right, right, to right. Like, be this right. fix it person. Right. Right. That's why I'm here right. to like do it for you. Right. And you know, that the system the system is, is it, you know, is rigged against you and you can't trust anything or anyone right. to do to do anything on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, that's a very powerful sentiment when people are, are cynical and you're trying and you're mm-hmm. trying to like get people to act collectively, uh, you know, towards a greater goal. Indeed, right. right. You know, I think yeah. I, I think I think there is. It's, it's, it's something I really do think about, yeah. and I think I think I think there I think that activism and grassroots activism is very very important. I you know from this past year, I've become like uh, you know a little like you know skeptical you know skeptical where appropriate when it comes to politics and you know activism and engagement, but. I've also seen the power of just a few people who are able to get atten- get attention and move sway public officials mm-hmm. and and make them respond to people and their concerns. So, you know, you know, there's you know, power responds when it's forced to. Right. So it's on you know people organized. It can affect change. Mm. It's just, you know, I, I, I just, I, I do think that, yeah, they can affect change. There's just a lot of, you know, there are a lot of constraints and barriers to that. One of which you mm. even pointed out, mm. getting, you know, more people involved. Mm. I think, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a, I think there's power in making it personal 
there's power in making it tangible to people that, in a way that they understand the goal that you're trying to achieve and what their why their level of involvement matters mm-hmm. but it's no easy thing right, right it's no easy thing especially when like people like most people like you know you're you're trying to like get by every day right. trying to like raise your family hold down your job right. you know you know save a little bit have enjoy a vacation I just feel like someone pointed it out like even like we were talking about this before we went on the podcast about how the daily grind of, of life and work especially in a city like this mm-hmm. wears you down it does yeah. so like where's their time, time to do to like do this, this sort of active yeah. and I get you know again like I I, I get that yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, it you know for me I get and I think there's it's important but I also get fulfillment and enjoyment from being involved with others in the you know in, in community affairs in uh, you know in, in the civic life of the of this place that we call home in this neighborhood you know but I get for a lot of people their precious time spent out off the job they'd rather be with their families right, or doing right. something else so, right. It's not. An, I think it's it's not an excuse for not being active, but you know, but it's sometimes understandable. it's understandable. Yeah, it's, it's understandable. understandable. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like, look, I've never felt like you know more taxed and drained, you know, at any point in my adult life than I have mm. with all this, you know, activism yeah. while right. while holding my job. Even when I see it as one, you right. know, there's right. still I have to show up to it often. Seriously, yeah. yeah. Hey, and you have we have we have another uh, rally coming up. Right? Another rally coming September. So this one, uh, yeah, in the wake of Charlottesville, and um, you know, you know, again. Everything that's going, you know, this this extraordinary period that we're in. Like, um, you know, I think we've, we've talked about this before. Racism is, is, is as old as American pie. Right. You know, it, it, it's it's one of America's original sins. Um, you know, but uh, not one of the original mm-hmm. the original sin. I think I was thinking like, you know, the twin sins of slavery and the removal and. Murder of Native Americans. Uh, it's like mm-hmm. one, but they're both ra- the you know, racist. They're yeah. both racism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you know, the normal, you know, the normalization in our public life uh, mm-hmm. of bigotry, of uh, of sexism, mm-hmm. of all these different forms of hate, and needing to push back up against it. You know. It's really, you know, it should, it should, we should always be pushing back up against it, even before Trump. You know? Right, of course, yeah. yeah. This is, part, part of that is like, oh, like yeah. a, like a little, you know, weakness in the resistance movement mm-hmm. about countering racism. It's like, well, racism, oh, it's always been here. Right. Why, like, yeah. why now? It's just more, much more out in the open. I mean, the land has been fertile for Trump for a very exactly, long time. Exactly. Yeah. It's just now more open and casual and, and in, yeah. your face in your face and, yeah. and, and overt mm-hmm. and, and, and in a way that, you know, you know, for white people to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it doesn't, you know, yeah. Uh, but it's still it's, it's it is you know mm-hmm. you know it, it's something that uh, you know we, I, I still think that the, it merits our action and our activism. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Given how it's been t- 
twinned up with this authoritarianism and this, you know, just attack on the, the you know the institutions of our democracy in a way that I would argue this country hasn't seen in our lifetimes or perhaps really ever before. In our lifetime? In our lifetimes yeah. or, you know, in anyone's living right now. Um, mm. You know, the, 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 having, a, you know, a demagogue in the Oval Office, you know, we've had the demagogues. Not quite this way. Not yeah, quite not this quite way. This we've way. had, like, Andrew we've Jackson. Had, yeah, we've had yeah, racism yeah, combined yeah. with, you know, arguably demagoguery. But I think biography, you know, as bad as Jackson was, uh, and he was, you know, a bad guy in a lot of ways with the, the Trail of Tears and the removal of Native Americans, uh, and, and removal's a kind way to put it. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, the, the want right. of murder yeah. and killing yeah, women and yeah. children. Yeah, the plunder of the these plunder people. Of people, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, you know, just the, you know, how, you know, how racism and misogyny and xenophobia was such a, you know, a central component. A central component of oh, yeah, America, right, but also right. this man's candidacy. Right, right. Absolutely. It makes it, you know, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, well, I thought you were still talking. That's fucked up because I you were still talking about Andrew Jackson because, like, it's, it's, it's really an important right. fundamental component right. of America that, like, you have xenophobia, racism, sexism. Like, that is very important to the makings of capitalism. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what capitalism is. It's based on this system. That's why you can't necessarily. A wise man. I recently heard of wise man say like that's you can't necessarily racism is hard to talk about because it doesn't make any sense to you can't justify a reason with the idea of slavery mm-hmm. so that's why it's hard and difficult to talk about because there's no reasoning around it so you right. can't figure out the reasons why it even made sense that it happened in the first place right. it's such a humanistic issue right. so yeah um but i digress one last thing um because i want to wrap i gotta wrap up but I was going to ask you, we are on the Big Boy Nerd podcast, so I have to ask you, what are you a nerd about? What am I a nerd about besides uh, politics? Yeah, obviously. besides politics, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a good question. <laughs> but does it extend beyond politics? It extends uh, beyond anything. Whatever, uh, whatever is the, like the last not, thing you were nerd. into that you were like, this is something that brings me so much joy. That's something that I'm, I like. I'm so into. It's something that I really, really, truly care about, and I'm gonna like. I believe I can do this to the day I die. Um, that's a that's a really good question. <laughs> that's a, it's a really good question. Um, <laughs> It could be something positive, negative, anything. It could be what you you believe that you have like this like really unconventional, weird level of knowledge about that you just nerd about and you love deeply. It could be activism. It could be yeah, history. I guess, I guess it could be, be that. I guess yeah. it a weird level of knowledge about. Um, yeah, I guess it has to be politics. Politics. I guess it has to be politics. I can't. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you was kind of rooted in you from the beginning? Like no, 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 no. I, like, I come from. Interesting. I, come, I don't come from a political, a political family, family at all. That's why they don't understand why I'm what wow. I'm doing. What I'm doing. Wow, wow. In, in fact, they, they they're lukewarm at best about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you know, there's some. There's not like a specific thing that 
like like they got you as a kid and they just kind of brought along with you your whole no, life that you no. were like oh this is something I just I think I I'm think so that, passionate about and I still care about I think <laughs> I do think um Jewish day school until eighth grade and the moral teachings that go with that. Oh, that's awesome. It, it was in, in part. Nice. And I do think the, you know, the education that I was fortunate and privileged to have as a college student and as a law student kind of gave me that grounding to, to feel like, you know, the twin, that the, those moral beliefs to wow. um, understanding systems and history and law and, um, Movements. Wow. And, and then, and, and part of that moral teaching in my early education was a feeling, was a belief in the power of you and the person to not just speak out, but be the change. Right. Like, 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 like the saying, if not wow. me, who? If not now, when? Wow. And having that ingrained. Wow. And uh, that's powerful. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think there, there, it's a, com- a combination of things. But if that, if, that, if, there, if there, those are the, if, there, if you were to pin it, to, to pin it down, a few things that led to this, <laughs> my my nerdish side of, of political activism. That those wow. would be those would be it to explain. It's not my family. Not my family background. They are not. They vote. That's about it. They watch the Sunday shows. They read the newspaper. But they, they, they I think they even when I was, they saw like in college that I was had a political bent in terms of wanting to be involved. They they said they made an admonition. We don't want you to get in, into politics. And it's not to say that wow. my ambition, you know, to run for office or anything like that. But they. And it, they they made it clear that that's not what they had in store for me. Um, so wow. it certainly does not come from them um, or anyone in my family. Um, I think it comes from what I from what I was saying. Sweet, that's that's awesome, dude. Yeah, nice. All right, I'm still trying to give a better answer besides like politics. That's like no, that's that's a, like, that's a, like, no, that's a legitimate that's a legitimate answer. Like there, like that's something that if you if you kind of particularly discovered or something that like actually has some sort of like strong value to you that you like obsessively want to learn about obsessively care about and it's something that gives you joy that's your nerdum that's that's what it is man it doesn't have to be comic books it doesn't have to be music it doesn't have to be in it it's your nerdum and that's valid and that's fair and that's great Mm -hmm. more power to you man Yeah, yeah 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 but um from here we're gonna have to actually wrap up um I think that I was thinking, I was tossing around like a certain particular mantra that I think I want to have this podcast be about. And I think that what I'll say is the mantra will be nerd beyond to you. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I think I'll do. Nerd beyond to you. I like that. So, yeah. So, Ethan Felder, my man, my friend, <laughs> nerd beyond to you. And thanks for talking to me. For thanks for having minutes, me man. on. Absolutely. I look forward to the next time. You, yeah, I, but it, yeah, certainly. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks, man. You're the best. <laughs> this is the, yeah, I, I live for a deep conversation like this. You know, like if there to nerd out on something, it would yeah. be deep 
soulful conversation <laughs> just like this that I'm, that I'm really into that I live for and I can go for the rest of the time. There. There you have there it. Is, I there it is. There it is. We found it. Yes. See? Exactly. It takes time, but you got it. You found and it. And you can't have it with everyone. No, it's you know, true. Only, only with certain no, people. No, you can't. You can't, man. A lot of people are like, oh, man, that's deep. It kind of like looks like a sconce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 it, yeah. But, you know. That's funny. You know, yeah, that's, that happens to me, too. People are like, fun. what's this little dude? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, man. I had an awesome time. Thanks, man. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah.